And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. Eagle Whistler. Staples self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Dane Clark stars as hard-boiled gumshoe Pete Chambers on Crime and Peter Chambers from 1954. Then, the secret word is radio on a comedy quiz episode of You Bet Your Life starring Groucho Marx from 1949. With me to help present these radio classics is my executive producer, Mike Costello. What's up, Mike? Hey, Carl. Are you enjoying these classic radio shows uh, every single week? I know you have to work with them, but are you enjoying <laughs> listening to them, too? Yeah, I do. You know, I've always said that I'm not that big of a fan of the comedies, but the more I hear them, the more I'm okay with them now. What are the comedies that you that you like? Do you like Gildersleeve? Gildersleeve's okay. Yeah. I do like the Burns and Allen Burns show. and Allen. Jack Benny, of course. Jack Benny, you like. I can deal with that for sure. And what about like Life with Luigi and Life of Riley, Ozzie and Harriet? Mm, yeah, I'm not so hand. particular. You, you know? like the detective shows. Yeah, I do. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yes. I know you like that. Well, we're going to start things off with Crime and Peter Chambers. This is a detective series that I think you might like. It uh, came to radio for one season in 1954, and it starred movie actor Dane Clark. Now, uh, Peter Chambers was a New York-based detective who worked alongside the police. Bill Zuckert was Clark's best friend, Lieutenant Lewis Parker. This had top-notch New York supporting actors, Roger DeCoven, Leon Janney, Leslie Woods, Lawson Zerby, and others. Fred Collins did the announcing on these episodes. And this is a broadcast from June 29, 1954. This is called Half a Tierra. This stars Dane Clark, part one now of Crime and Peter Chambers. Crime and Peter Chambers. Created by Henry Kane, transcribed and starring Dane Clark. Private investigator, duly licensed and duly sworn, Peter Chambers. You're a private eye. That's your business. Anything else? That's for laughs. It's mid-afternoon of a wonderful summer's day, and you're seated on a bench in Central Park, drinking in the sunshine. As a private eye, you're notorious for drinking much more stimulating intoxicants than sunshine. But you don't figure to be fired out of the Union, because there is a lush and beautiful blonde seated beside you. Her name is Bubbles Greco, and she owns, operates, and performs in a spot on 52nd Street called the Bubbles Club. Ah, Bubbles Greco. The air, the sun, the sky, the green trees. Mm. 
Oh, it takes a night worker to appreciate all this. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. <sighs> Don't you love it? Sweetie, as long as I'm near you, I love it. I love anything. No, no kidding, Pete. This, this night work, dancing in a club all the time, sort of gets you down. Well, it's a mood, sweetie. It'll pass. It's too much sunshine. You're just not used to it. Don't rib me. Oh, I wish I could. No glamour, that's it. Just work, work, work. Hey, you really got a bath this afternoon, haven't you? Bubbles Greco, probably one of the ten most glamorous women in the country. Great dancer, owns her own nightclub, independently wealthy. And she complains? What would you like to trade it all in for? You want the truth? Well, what else, my lovely Bubbles? I'd like to be a private detective. What? <laughs> you switching the rib on me? No, no, it's the truth. I... I think you guys have got the best racket in the world. Always excitement, always activity, no boss to answer to. Action all the time. And when you feel like it, you just knock off and loaf. You know, I think you're serious. You're crazy, but I think you're serious. Honey, if you had just one case, if you experienced just one case, you'd be cured. Yeah? You want to bet? I'd love to bet. Good. You're the sporting type. Let's bet your fee against six months of free drinks in my plush saloon. Well, you talk yourself into a wager, except for one great big catch. Such as? What fee? Meaning? What fee? For what case? Beautiful as you are, irresistible as you are, you think I'd be sitting here actually letting the grass grow under my feet if I had a case? There is no case. There is no fee. Hence, there is no subject matter for our hypothetical wager. That's what you think. Huh? Do I, um, detect the prospective client in the offing? You detect pretty good, detective. But there's one condition. Name it. Well, as part of our wager, since I'm to learn by experience, you got to keep me on the ball with this thing every minute of the time. i got to know from the beginning to the end. Sold. Now, who's the pigeon? Aristotle Skanos. Aristotle which? Aristotle Skanos, the Greek gentleman. He's only been in this country about four days. How do you know him? Well, I'm Greek, Pete, of Greek extraction. Anyway, this guy comes into the club, a very aristocratic gentleman. Comes in for a little relaxation, and we get to gabbing, and what do you know? He can use a private eye. For what? Search me. I mentioned your name, and I know he's been checking on it. Anyway, you've got a date with him for tonight. Bubbles Club at midnight. And don't forget our wager. So it goes. Bubble dancer or senator's lady, you never know where a client drops from. Let's face it, you're in a business that's as screwy as a $3 bill. Anyway, at midnight, you're at the Bubbles Club and you're ushered down to a choice table and a tall guy gets up. You are Peter Chambers? Mm -hmm. And uh, you're Aristotle? Aristotle Scans. Please sit down, Mr. Chambers. Tall and distinguished, Mr. Aristotle Scanos. Great temples, Van Dyke beard, and eyes as black as a smuggler's conscience. I'm drinking champagne, Mr. Chambers. What is yours? Uh, who am I to refuse uh, champagne, Mr. Scarnos, especially when it's a prelude to business? <laughs> You're quite charming, Mr. Chambers, exactly as I had heard. Well, that's a new type of recommendation for private eye. Charm. Well, to your health, Mr. Scarnos. Champagne bubbles, bubbles club, bubbles greco. Let's hope it's a profitable round robin. Profitable for both of us. Mm. Mm, very good. I, uh... Here you're in need of uh, assistance, shall we say? 
I'm in need of a good private detective. So you came to the Bubbles Club for a recommendation? I have found in Miss Greco wit, intelligence, and a clear, sharp mind. If that's all you found in Miss Greco, brother, maybe you ought to take another look. <laughs> no. But seriously, the matter of a private detective came up as sort of a coincidence. Miss Greco and I were chatting in Greek. Were you aware Miss Greco is quite proficient in Greek? I'm uh, sure she's quite proficient in Greek. Well, anyway, your name came up, and answering to an impulse, I checked up on it very thoroughly. And you learned? That you are exactly the man I want. Clever, resourceful, sophisticated, and most of all, trustworthy. Well, thank you, Dad. Pardon? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Okay, okay, I'm a real big hunk of stuff. Clever, resourceful, and sophisticated. So where do we go from here? Mr. Chambers, I want you to come to my hotel. It's Stanley on Park Avenue. It is suite 704. The bill here is paid. I will leave now. I want you to join me in 20 minutes. There is something first that I want to procure from the hotel seat. Well, you're the boss. 20 minutes then. Goodbye. Uh, by the way... Yes? What do you do? Pardon? Your business. I... I am a private detective. So he throws you that haymaker and then he leaves. To be substituted by Bubbles Greco, who pats a cool hand at your cheek and sits down. How are we doing, partner? Hey, do you know what that guy does for a living? Give up. He's a private detective. Yeah, I know. I don't like that, a Greek private eye. Oh, do you think it's a monopoly? They got them in Europe, plenty of them. Go by all kinds of names. Private operator, confidential agent, assassin, soldier of fortune. Uh, sweetie... About our wager, can't we uh, make it something more interesting than free drinks in a saloon? <laughs> you know, you're cute. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that sometime. But you don't talk about it now. Now you've got a date with a Greek private eye at the Stanley on Park Avenue, Suite 704. Who is it? Chambers. Peter Chambers. Come in. Come in, sir. Thank you. Mr. Skarnos is holding an item that's got more flash than a tout's bankroll at the racetrack. It looks like a crown that a queen would wear, diamond-encrusted and glowing with gold. Only it's half a crown. Beautiful, isn't it? Oh, that's an understatement, Mr. Skarnos. You know what it is? Let me hold it. Let me look. Huh? Sure. Oh, boy, that's really something. You know what it is? Well, it looks like half of a crown for a queen's head. Or a crown for a queen with a half a head. Hey, you better take it. It is a tiara, Mr. Chambers. Half a tiara. Uh -huh. A priceless treasure fashioned in 1550 by Benvenuto Cellini, especially for Eleonora, princess of the House of Medici. It last rested in toto, not half, but in toto, in the Bargello. Famous museum of old Florence. Well, thanks for the history lesson, pal, but what are you doing with it? Or should I say half of it? The other half, Mr. Chambers, is here in America. Both halves together. This tiara from a proper collector could bring half a million dollars. Separately, each half has but intrinsic value, perhaps $50,000. It is part of my purpose and your purpose to bring both halves together. To the tune of half a million bucks, huh? Precisely, Mr. Chambers. Okay, my dear Aristotle Skarnos, now let's have the pitch. Pitch? 
the pitch, the the story on this. The story? Oh, yes, Mr. Chambers. Please, have a seat. Thank you. First, about the tiara. During the time of Mussolini, a good many of the Italian museums were looted of their treasures, and the Bargello in Florence was one of them. This tiara was taken. After Mussolini's death, it passed through many hands. I won't bore you with all of that. But finally, it came into the possession of a countryman of mine, a Greek gentleman by name of George Demetrius. George Demetrius. Uh, tell me, uh, did he come into possession of this thing, uh, this tiara, in Greece or in Italy? In Italy. George Demetrius was in Italy as a sort of quasi-political representative. He had a lady friend with whom he was very much in love. Oh. She was coming to America. That is when this tiara was divided into... Uh, easy, easy. Do it easy now, Mr. Scanos. It's beginning to sound a little complicated. Not complicated at all. Money is in America. A fortune could be realized for a tiara in this country. George loved his lady fair. What was her name? Anna Marina. But he did not love her enough to entrust it all to her. He sawed the tiara in half, gave her half, and retained half. And planned to join her in America as soon as he could get free from his political entanglements. And where do you fit into this, Mrs. Connors? <laughs> right about here, sir. Anna Marina did not go directly to America. She stopped off in Paris, which is where I make my office. And there she retained me. For what? Well, this may sound a little brutal to you, but... Uh, come on, come on, let's have it, Mrs. Connors. She wanted me to kill George Demetrius and obtain the other half of the tiara. That's a real sweet dame. And uh, what were you supposed to get out of that? Fifty percent of what we would realize by selling the whole tiara. Or wouldn't a boyfriend have given that to her? He might have. Might not. After all, the tiara by right of possession was his. She had no claim. Mm. So this way she's sure of half, plus she's rid of a used-up boyfriend. I could not have put it better myself, sir. Oh, so, um, just uh, casual-like, did you uh, kill this guy? No, no, but I did get to him finally, and I did get possession of his half of the tiara. Hmm. Okay, I don't have to look into a crystal ball to figure out that you want me to find this Anna Marina for you, but how come you can't find her yourself? Well, first, this is not my country. Of course, I do not know quite how to operate here. Second, for reasons I will not bore you with, I am a year and a half late coming to this country. I see. Well, Anna was supposed to be living at the ambassador. Did you check the ambassador? Yes. She did live there almost two years ago. Lived there for three months, then vanished without a trace. I did all the usual checks, and now... You. And, uh, if I may be so bold, what's in it for me? Well, sir, upon the sale of the full tiara, half would belong to me, which should be around figure about $250,000. 10% of that would be your fee. Okay, Aristotle, you've hired yourself a boy. You go home and you go to sleep. And you have nightmares about foreign assassins and slinky lady spies and daggers and tiaras and poison in a vegetable soup. But the next morning, you're out in the sunshine again with Bubbles Greco, and as per promise, you bring her up to date. Oh, it's so exciting. You can just bust. And what's the next step? Cherchez, as the boys in the pool room say, la femme. Yeah, but how? Did you ever hear of Perry Quimby? You mean that fancy jewelry store on Madison? Well, that's the front. What's the back? Quimby's the top fence in this country. 
There ain't been a hot huck of jewelry of real value that hasn't passed through good old Quimby. Now, that dame's been here practically two years with her half a tiara. She must have wanted some word on it. And so you're going to see Perry Quimby. When? Right now. Hey, as a matter of fact, I'm late for my appointment already. Bye, Bubbles. Good luck, honey. Perry Quimby. Smooth, suave, delicate, well-mannered. But a guy with more contours than a pretzel. You get ushered through the glittering shop to a back room that's fitted up like a hideaway for a sultan. Ah, the good Mr. Chambers. Please come to the point quickly, sir. Perry Quimby is an extraordinarily busy man. Perry Quimby. Round blue eyes like an innocent baby. Perry Quimby. About as innocent as a wrought-up rattlesnake. All right, Mr. Chambers. You said it was important. You were in the market for half a tiara? I don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. Did you ever hear of a dame named Anna Marina? I still don't know what you're talking about. Okay, Mr. Quimby, let's you and me get into a huddle and I'll throw some signals at you. You ready? Mm-hmm. Tiara, Benvenuto Cellini, Eleonora, House of Medici, the Bargello, famous museum in ancient Florence. That's about it, Mr. Quimby. Now, do we talk about that or about the New York Giants and my special boy, Willie Mays? We talk about a tiara. Well, glad to have you aboard, Mr. Quimby. Have you, by some freak of chance, located the other half of that masterpiece? Let's first get your half on the record. I've seen it, and I've advised against its sale. Half, it can bring perhaps thirty, forty thousand. 40,000. Whole, intact. That's different. It's an item of rarest value. I have a standing offer from the collector, $600,000. If you can produce that other half, Peter, my lad, we can both earn a handsome commission. I can produce, but I produce my way. And what would be your way, my boy? I want to get to that lady. Mm. After all, this is her affair, not yours. Mm. Now, what are you worried about, Quimby? Any deal that's made, it's got to be made through you. Reasonable, logical, and incontrovertible. I'm a man of quick decision, Mr. Chambers. Anna Marina is now known as Alicia Maritza. She owns a bookshop in Greenwich Village. So you're doing the scooter again. Down to Greenwich Village, the address Quimby gave you, and you meet Alicia Maritza. Or Anna Marina, or whatever her real name is. Turns out to be a sultry dame with a hefty figure and a seductive look. You state your business, and she leaves the shop in charge of another and takes you to her apartment just above her shop. And there she calls Perry Quimby, and he must have given you a perfect write-up because she comes back glowing. Mr. Chambers, I believe we are in business. Good, Miss Marissa. Mr. Quimby tells me I can trust you implicitly. Therefore, I shall deal directly with you. You can tell that to Aristotle Scanos. I shall have no reason to see him. You will be the complete intermediary. Scanos won't complain. All he's interested in is his half of the proceeds. And he shall receive every penny of that. Now, the plan then is this. I go to my bank vault right now, obtain my half of the tiara and return here. You go to Scanos, obtain your half and also return here. Then together we go to Mr. Quimby and the first step of the transaction shall be completed. Good enough. Then go, Mr. Chambers. Time is of the essence. You hitch up your scooter and you're flying again. From Scano's hotel suite and with Scano's lending an ear, you call Perry Quimby just to keep everything kosher. And it checks perfectly. Quimby's waiting and the lady's on the level. Scano's wraps the tiara for you and you're off again down to Greenwich Village. 
And the lady tragically drools as she caresses both halves of the tiara like they're a couple of newborn twins. Ah, oh, it is like a miracle. The tiara of the Medici, the tiara of Cellini. Is it not beautiful, Mr. Chambers? Is it not a work of art? Yeah, but 600,000 bucks, I wouldn't pay for it. Oh, would that I could afford to keep it. But I cannot. Quimby's waiting, Miss Mertzen. Oh, yes, we must go. I suppose the money will be on hand within a few days. Mr. Quimby is most meticulous that way. Quimby's as good as a bank. Plus, he earns his commission two ways, from the purchaser and the seller. Who can object? And we shall arrange that 50% of the proceeds go to you, as representative of Aristotle Scanus. I want to be meticulously honest in this transaction. Oh, you betcha. Yes. Yes, who is it? Scanus. Aristotle Scanus. That's the first portion of Crime and Peter Chambers. More after these words. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to crime and Peter Chambers. Aristotle Scarnos. After all, he's your client. You don't let him cool his heels outside. You open the door. And there he stands. And surprise, surprise, he's got a fistful of Luger in his right hand and he's pointing it. Business end forward. He moves in and slams the door shut. I am welcome, I trust. Miss Maritza, you know Mrs. Scanos. That... that is not Aristotle Scanos. Not Scanos? You're kidding. He's the guy that hired me. The guy that gave me the second half of the tiara. My name, Mr. Chambers, is George Demetrius. George Demetrius? You mean... that guy? You, You... You mean you two? Yes, we two. This lady, the light of my life, turned out to be, as you say here in your country, a filthy double-crosser. But what you told me about this, Scanos, he... Most of what I told you was true. She hired him to assassinate me and to steal what was mine. No, no, please, please, George. He tried, but he failed. The tables were turned. I killed him in self-defense. But before he died, he told me all. Told me all. Then I took his credentials, but I could not leave Italy, not for a long, long time. But finally, I am here. And as Aristotle Scanos, I sought my lady love. And now, 
Now I have found her. George, George, please, please, George. What are you going to do? George! I shall do to you what you wanted to do to me. Now look, just I a minute. I shall kill you, I... my lady fair, and then I shall take what is mine and return to my country. There is a plane leaving tonight. I'm prepared to take now, it. Now just a minute, Mr. Scanos, or Mr. Demetrius, or whatever your name is. Mr. Chambers, look, I... you have been most kind and most efficient. For the time being, I shall have to bind you and gag you and keep you here so that I may leave this country. That is, after I have attended to my lady fair. But someday when the tiara is sold, you, Mr. Chambers, shall receive your full and just commission. That's real sporting of you, pal. But at the moment... A dame like that is probably entitled to every bullet in the Luger. But the Boy Scout and you just can't let it happen. So you throw a body block out. Down you both go... And the Luger is the most important item in the scrap. He uses it before you can get to it. Oh, oh, wings you. But then you do get to the gun and you club him senseless. And you've got Skanos on the floor. Or uh, is it Demetrius? And you're pointing the gun at Miss Maritza. Or... Is it Miss Marina? And you drag yourself to the phone, and pretty soon the place is flooded with cops. And then you're home, with a slug out of your shoulder and a bandage around it. But Bubbles Greco is making like a nurse, and that sort of evens it up. You bring her up to date on current history. Oh, it's all so exciting, so exciting. Yeah, well, let me give you the final deal on it. Demetrius is getting deported to be tried for the murder of Skanos. And Miss Marina is getting deported to be tried for hiring Skanos to murder Demetrius. Uh, <laughs> it gets a little mixed up, doesn't it? Well, and that tiara? Well, that goes back to the museum in Florence. Well, where does that leave you? Well, with a slug in my shoulder and no fee. And right now, I'm willing to trade in that six months of free drinks for... Um, well, let us say a bit of special attention for my gorgeous nurse. Something like this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a pretty good sample. Tell me, Bubbles, do you still want to be a private eye? No, sir. From here on in, Bubbles sticks to Bubbles. Oh, yes. And so do I. And there you've had crime and Peter Chambers. Dane Clark was starred as Peter Chambers. Crime and Peter Chambers was created and written by Henry Kane. Others in the cast were Roger DeCoven, heard as Skanos, and Bryna Rayburn as Bubbles. It was directed by Fred Way. This is Fred Collins inviting you to tune in next week, same time, same station, for Dane Clark in Crime. And Peter Chambers. And that's Crime and Peter Chambers from June 29, 1954 with Half a Tierra 
starring Dane Clark. Also in that cast, Roger DeCoven and Bryna Rayburn. That was sustained over NBC. Well, before we tune into You Bet Your Life, I want to remind all of you listening to check out Remind Magazine. It's uh, one of our main sponsors here on Hollywood 360. Remind Magazine is a terrific publication. comes out every month. It's a full-color magazine. It's all about nostalgia. It's all about movies and TV and radio and all your favorite stuff from Hollywood. Just check it out at RemindMagazine.com, or you can pick up uh, an issue at any Walmart across the country or any Barnes & Noble store. And I write an article called Radio 360 in every issue of Remind Magazine, and I hope you will check it out. It's a great publication, RemindMagazine.com. All right, time now for You Bet Your Life. This was a game show hosted by Groucho Marx of the Marx Brothers fame with assistant and announcer George Fenneman by his side. began on ABC Radio in 1947. It made a transition to television in 1950. Each show offered a secret word like house, money, hat, etc. And contestants would banter about their life with Groucho and... If by chance they said that secret word, they would win $100. They also won money for answering questions put to them by Groucho. And oftentimes, celebrities appeared as contestants. You Bet Your Life enjoyed a long run on radio, bowing out in 1961. Of course, it made a very successful transition to television as well. We have a very early episode from October 26, 1949. The secret word is radio. This stars Groucho Marx. Here's part one of You Bet Your Life. Ladies and gentlemen, this is very hush-hush. Tonight, the secret word is radio. R-A-D-I-O. Really? You bet your life. Elgin American, creator of America's most beautiful compacts, magic action lighters, finest dresser sets, presents Groucho Marx in the Elgin American show, You Bet Your Life. The comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood. And here's that sterling Elgin American, the one, the only... Groucho! Oh, you can do better than that. Oh, that's me, Groucho Marx! Thank you. Well, here I am with $2,500 for one of our couples tonight. George Fenneman, who's first to try for it? Just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected a bachelor and a spinster, and here they are. Miss Dorothy Kent and Mr. Bob Davis meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, kids, for Elgin American Compact. And if you say the secret word at any time we're talking, I'll pay $100 in cash instantly. It's a common word, something you'll find around the house. So we have a bachelor and a spinster, eh? Miss uh, Dorothy Kent? That's right. Uh, in what town did you begin your career as a spinster? Well, I was born in Buffalo, New York. And Mr. Davis? Bob, Bob Davis, huh? Where did you start being a bachelor? Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, what is your occupation, Dorothy? I'm a school teacher. A school teacher? That's right. Well, why is it you never married? You're a nice-looking girl. Well, I've never found the man who uh, made more money than I did as a school teacher, even though their salaries are low enough. You must have met some pretty low men in your... (laughs) Would you you, uh, think it too impertinent if I asked you how old you were, Dorothy? No, I'm 43. Well, you don't look it. You look about 33. Thank you very much. 
What about me? <laughs> and Bob? How, how old are you, Bob? Well, I'm uh, approaching the half-century mark. You have? Uh, mm. Which century? The half... <laughs> and, uh... Why haven't you married? Well, uh... Mr. Davis? I just... just want to take my time. I don't want to rush into things. <laughs> Seriously, thank you. Well, uh, frankly, you haven't been acting like a jet plane so far. <laughs> How long do you think a man should know a girl before he takes any serious steps? Oh, I'd say about two or three years. You think people should wait two or three years before they get married? No, no before they get engaged. <laughs> well, you're pretty near the slowest man I ever met. <laughs> Are you sure you're not a statue from Pershing Square? Will you turn around? I want to see if there's a pigeon on you. <laughs> now, Dorothy, uh, how would a marriage-minded woman like you encourage a creeping Casanova like him <laughs> to uh, pop the question? Well, I think one way would be to flatter him this... or perhaps find his weakness. <laughs> well, uh, do you have a weakness, Bob, that you would care to discuss? No, no. In a, I mean, in addition to rushing headlong into everything. <laughs> now, Bob, what sort of work do you do? Well, uh, right now I'm in between jobs. I've done a lot of selling and, oh, I'm just uh, sort of looking into television. Oh, you're going to sell the, sell the sets, huh? Well, I don't know. I'm just looking into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you keep looking into it. All the sets will be sold by the time you... <laughs> Well, in other words, at the moment, you're, you're at leisure. Is, is that right? I, I fool around a little bit with uh, radio. Well, you said radio, and that's the secret word, so you just made $100. Here it is, and congratulations. Well, thank you very much. And you're going to fool around with television. <laughs> Well, Bob, let's get back to the subject of romance. Uh, tell me, have you ever proposed to a girl? Yeah, yes, I did one time. Well, uh, how did you propose? I mean, what uh, position were you in, were you? Well, you know, the old one-knee position. What did you just say, just uh, out of a clear Well, I just start? asked her if, if she would uh, like to be married. She was a little bit evasive, and she kept continuing that way for some time. And from time to time, I'd see her, but it just uh, sort of withered away. I forgot. Well, tell me. It's a very sad story. Well, did you drop down on one knee every time you saw this girl? Oh, no. She just kept withering away, huh? No, I found out later on that uh, uh, from friends and acquaintances that she really, I thought I was in love with her, but she was really more in love with herself than I was with her. Well, the three of you could have been very happy to <laughs> Now, what qualities uh, do you think a woman should have in order to be eligible for your affections? You're a fine-looking broth of a boy. Well, I, I think she should be uh, kind and considerate, and, uh, fairly intelligent, and above all, uh, a good sense of humor. That's important. Oh, very important. Would you say you had a good sense of humor, Dorothy? I think I have. 
Well, that's fine now. Tell us a joke, huh? <laughs> any any old joke that happens to be kicking around, I don't care, Dorothy. Huh? Just remember, you're on the air. That's all. Right. Perhaps you've heard about the deep sea diver who uh, met a mermaid, and he was so polite to her that he died. No, that's. <laughs> That's a pretty deep joke, isn't it? <laughs> Bob, what do you think of her joke? Would you consider that a good example of humor? Well, no, it's, uh, it's, it's an old joke, as I remember it. I don't think she told it all. <laughs> well, it's, it seems to me it was kind of short. Uh, <laughs> would, you, would you mind telling us the balance of it, huh? Well, as I remembered, it's uh, a deep sea diver uh, met a mermaid and he died because he dipped his head. I don't know. I like her way just as well. <laughs> See, your way, you know there's no joke. With her way, there's always a little uncertainty about it. I don't know why you two don't get married. Between you, you could go around telling jokes together. <laughs> you could be another Baines and Allen. <laughs> well, it's all settled. We're all ready for the ceremony. You ready, Bob? Huh? Oh, don't rush me. Don't rush me. <laughs> Bob, you better get going. If you get married right away, someday you can bounce a little grandchild on your knee. What a thrill that'll be. A little tot only two years old and you 196. <laughs> You're a charming and amiable couple. I think you'll be very happy together. Right? <laughs> and if you were half the man you said you were, you'd get down on one knee right now. Right? <laughs> and you'd get down on the other knee, darling. <laughs> now, let's play You Bet Your Life. In just one minute, you're going to work together as a team for $2,500. <laughs> now then, let's see how well you two will do in the quiz. Fenneman, tell them how to play You Bet Your Life. Each of our three couples has $20. They bet as much of that 20 as they want on each of four questions. The couple that earns the most money gets a chance at the $2,500 question at the end of the show. Our other two couples are in a waiting room off stage, so they don't know what's happening out here. Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. What question category did you select? Uh, cities on the Great Lakes. That's right. Now, here's your first question. You have $20. How much will you try? Ten. On what lake is the city of Cleveland? Uh, lake Erie. Lake Erie is right. Good start with $30. Remember, this is chicken feed. What you're going at is at $2,500. Now, how much of your $30 will you try? Uh, 25 I think that'll be all right. On what great lake is the city of Gary? Uh, lake uh, Michigan. Lake Michigan is right. They're climbing now. They have $55. All right, you have $55. And here is your third question. How much are you going to bet? All right. 55 $55, huh? On what lake is the city of Rochester? Uh, Rochester, New York is on Lake Ontario. Lake Ontario is correct. They're really on their way. They have $110. Say, Dorothy, you got yourself a pretty hot potato here. Didn't you? <laughs> so too. I haven't heard a peep out of you yet. Huh? You got $110. Now, here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much of the 110 will you risk? 
110. This is Diamond Jim Brady. <laughs> On what great lake is the city of Sandusky? On uh, Lake uh, Sandusky, Ohio. The city of Sandusky is on one of the great lakes. Lake Erie. Lake Erie is correct. Thanks and good luck from Elgin American Compacts. Don't don't sneak away now. They'll be married by ten o'clock, these two. Now don't sneak away. You still have a chance for the big question. Our next couple has been in a waiting room off stage, Groucho, so they don't know the secret word is radio. Just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected a baker and a housewife, and here they come. Mrs. Etta Daly and baker Luther McCann meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, welcome, folks, for Elgin American Compacts. And if you say the secret word at any time we're talking, I'll hand over $100 in cash instantly. It's a common word, something you'll find around the house. Mrs. Uh, Etta Daly, huh? That's right. Uh, how long have you been a housewife? As long as I've been married. <laughs> Gonna have trouble with her, I can see. <laughs> what does your husband do, uh, Mrs. Daly? Well, right now he's uh, training horses. He's given them their basic training, and in April he's going to take two of them to the track. But basic right... training? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Are they in the service? <laughs> uh, how, how did you meet your husband? Well, uh, this was back east, and uh, he was a furnace man. He was putting a furnace in our house, but he was working up in the uh, putting the ventilator in over mm-hmm. the dining room. And we, while we were sitting it, there yeah. eating, why he slipped on it rafter and he came right through the ceiling. It was a little house anyway. Well, he fell for you, huh? <laughs> well, I don't see the connection between putting a ventilator in the attic and you're getting married, huh? the time I was engaged to somebody else, and after oh. I met Melvin, why... What happened to the other fellow? Did you... He disappeared in thin air. Just withered away, huh? <laughs> I didn't care what happened to him. This is a big night for withering tonight. <laughs> How many children do you have with this uh, finest man? One nice little girl, nine years old. Uh-huh. Is she as cute as you? Cuter. Cuter? Oh, pretty snappy-looking gal, there. Oh, I bet you tell that to all the girls. Well, I, I rarely say it to any of the men, huh? Does, uh, does your husband help you around the house, Etta? He's very nice and helpful. He, he does, uh, yeah. gets the breakfast in the morning while I'm getting my little girl's lunch. He takes the garbage out. <laughs> for school, I have to get her lunch made for school. What do you do, eat the whole three meals in the morning? <laughs> you must be ready to go to bed by one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> well, I'm glad that day is over. Uh, Luther McCann, uh, I've been kind of neglecting you here. Uh, are you married, Luther? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So you're a baker, huh? That's right. Well, tell me, Pumpernickel, exactly where... Uh, <laughs> where do you do your baking, huh? Well, in an oven. <laughs> I didn't think you did it in a manhole. You know? <laughs> I mean, what bakery... Uh, 
Well, I'm with uh, Humphrey's Bakery at the Farmer's Market, 3rd and Fairfax. Tell me, Apple Dumpling, do you help your wife... <laughs> do you help your wife around the house? No. Why not? You're too busy bending over a hot stove, huh? I work nights most of the time. Too busy sleeping. <laughs> you ought to eat some of your yeast cakes, then you could rise in the morning, huh? I just read a very revealing book about cookies. It's called Let Him Eat Cheesecake by Earl Wilson. Unfortunately, you can't get that kind of cheesecake in a bakery. <laughs> Although they have some nice cookies there. Huh? <laughs> now, what's the most popular pastry you uh, bake, Luther? Well, uh, most people sort of go in for those chocolate eclairs and those whipped cream and cream puffs. Mm-hmm. Pretty what's, nice. What's your recipe for uh, chocolate eclairs? Well, uh, the uh, eclair base is uh, water and shortening. And uh, then you cook that together, and then you add your eggs and a little milk along with a little powdered ammonia to give them that blowed-up effect. I get that after I eat them. (laughs) That's the first portion of You Bet Your Life. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's the conclusion to You Bet Your Life from 1949 starring Groucho Marx. Then, a futuristic sci-fi story on The Chase from 1952. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.